0: Hello, welcome to the Record Celtic podcast. My name is Daniel Corn. I'm delighted to be joined by Record Sports Michael Gannon and Keith Jackson. Guys, how are you?
2: Very well, thanks, Daniel. How are you, Mick? All right, chaps, not too bad. Not too bad. Just getting the Halloween costume sorted for this weekend. I can see you're wearing it already. (laughs) Well, it comes a free mask. (laughs) Thank God. Is
1: that you going as well, Ferrell again?
2: I'm going, as a, I'm going as a hurry, monster. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the banter's in full flow. Um, I think the best place for us to start, guys, is, of course, last night. We were recording this on Thursday, Celtic Atletico Madrid. Uh, Michael, I'm we start with yourself. I mean, the first half was some of the best football I've seen Celtic play in years, I think, particularly in Europe. Um, but ultimately, couldn't get that win.
2: Yeah, I thought the first half they were terrific. Some of the football was sensational. Um, it's quite nice seeing a Scottish team try to go toe-to-toe with the best in Europe. Um, I think what we saw again last night is that they, they can do that, but it's maintaining it for 90 minutes is brutally tough. And I think we saw it even last year with, with Ange Postacoglu as well. You can have a good go at these teams for, for 45 minutes or an hour, then it gets really tough because the energy expended to do that makes it really difficult to, to kind of keep it going for the, the full ninety. Um, listen, you've got to take into account the fact that Madrid are a right good side. I mean they're really a proper European team. And the second half they threw the kitchen sink at Celtic and Celtic kinda of did well to kind of just about hang on. I know it went to two each, but they managed to get hold on to the man sent off. And after that, and um, Simone was quite happy taking his point up the road. But that first half was pretty thrilling and um, quite exciting for, for Celtic fans because we're still very early in the kind of Brendan Rodgers. Uh, second coming. I think he's had a pretty disappointing transfer window um, that's left him short for this campaign, but he's mending and make do, and he's and he's done a pretty decent job of competing with these teams. He's in the three games so far; they've been involved and competed in every one of them. We but unlucky against Latzio. is a funny one as well, but they've competed. they have not been out of depth, and this is where a team has been patched together, and it's very early in the, the kind of his his reign. So I think it's a lot of positives. I think the campaign is pretty much dead in the water now, that's the only thing, I don't see them getting out of this group, or even third place looks a bit dodgy, but a lot to enjoy about that first half performance last night.
0: Uh, Keith, it was it was brilliant football in the first half, particularly Matt O'Reilly, Kyogo for the goal. Um, Daniel, Daniel, Daniel doing...
1: do you know something, it was out of this world, and it was one of these games that you're at where you're thinking, I'm just lucky to be here. It was just such a good game of football, and that was my big takeaway from it. I think that, unfortunately with Celtic and you can understand it I think that when they come up against teams of that level, Champions League level I mean they have to go absolutely full tilt they, they plug into the energy inside the stadium which was mental ahead of kick off for other reasons um, but it set the place on fire and I think because you keep seeing this now you know, they start like a train. The, what was really impressive is, as Mick was saying there the football, some of the one touch stuff, the, the goals that the, the Kyogo's first goal, the, the two passes from Matt O'Reilly are just ridiculous. It's a work of art that goal. And make no mistake about it, because you could tell when you were there, Atletico Madrid were absolutely rattled. They were they were frazzled by the atmosphere. And Celtic were pinging the ball around. They they, they just look stung. Um, but I think, and the more you see it, the more we get into these second halves at Celtic Park and these games, the high intensity, it starts to dip. The crowd started to dip a little bit as well. Chicken or egg, who knows what comes first. But the opposition, slowly but surely, they get their wits back about them. They start, I mean, um, Griezmann last night was out of this world as well. And, and and gradually they got a foothold. And in the second half, right from the start of the second half, in fact, you just felt that you know Celtic couldn't maintain that flat-out 100-miles-an-hour energy that they needed to, 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 to get in front, to get their noses in front and get on top of the game in the first half. I don't know if you can sustain it for 90 minutes. You need to be superhuman. And I think that could be a problem. And I think as their energy dipped, the crowd's energy dipped, and I think that there's a feeling because it's happened so many times before. Celtic have played so well in so many of these games. Ultimately, there's a you know a last minute winner coming or a you know and it was an equaliser that came obviously I think eight minutes into the second half last night. And at that minute in time, if anybody was going to win it, you did think or suspect it would be Atletico until they went down to ten. And you know that that took the sting out the tail, but the sting felt as if it was coming and you felt that the energy around the stadium, the noise, it drops because people start getting nervous because they think, Well, we've been here before, we know what comes next. And and the, the 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 vibrancy, the energy, the the noise that was there in the first half, it starts to dip it starts to become a little bit more muted and more nervous. And I don't know if that's to do if that comes from the stands and transmits to the players or if it's the other way around, but it's something and it and it happens time and time again.
2: I, I I agree, with that. Watching Celtic in these games, I, I, I keep thinking about the, the the wily coyote cartoon, the roadrunner. Yeah. <laughs> he runs across the cliff out of the fresh air and he keeps on running. And it's not until he looks down he falls. It's almost like just keep running, just keep running. You might meet across the other, other side, and Celtic at some point look down. <laughs> it's, um, it tends to be the case in these games. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. It is look down, and that's at the bottom of the, the bottom of the canyon. But it's. Um, the thing is, though, that that effort required. I mean, you talk about the the, the late sting in the tail. That comes from fatigue because if fatigue doesn't, yeah. it doesn't just drain you in terms of energy. It drains you in terms of concentration. Mentally, that, yeah. Mentally, there's a, there's, you.
1: A, there's a strain involved in, in having but, to play at that level. Yeah.
2: I mean, you're having to r- race across that canyon without a safety net for so long. At some point, you're going to fall, and it's happened time and time again. And that's what happens against quality. I mean, the second goal that go scored last night was quality, absolute yeah. quality. The guys that yeah. are Top operators in, in world football scoring a, a top goal. And it's, and it's and you guys who are playing way above their the level, I mean, guys like uh, Liam Scales, I mean, sensational again. Like, yeah, that's a, you, I mean, coming from Ireland, looks as though he's done all you know, right. Probably got a good career in Scotland in the top flight outside Celtic. All of a sudden now he's, he's I mean, you can't. I mean, he's, he's, his place is nailed in the squad He was, was an absolute rock last night. But Brilliant. I mean, Brilliant again. See, if you, if you
1: go right through the team, you, you don't find there, there's not a bad performer in there. Um, but there were some outstanding performers. Uh, Callum McGregor, incredible, but that's the level you just come to expect of him. But see, when, when Celtic had their best spells and there were long spells in the first half, just everything was going through. him. He was coming back, mm-hmm. taking the ball off full-back, centre-back, building moves, popping balls around the corner, getting it back, moving it again. He was the fulcrum <laughs> In the middle of the park, Matt O'Reilly just was gliding over the ground and picking beautiful passes, and just superb. Need a superb performance from him. Kyogo, I'm, I'm not my biggest fan, right? Because if he had the intelligence and the craft to match the pace and the energy, well, he wouldn't be in Scotland. He'd be somewhere else entirely, and he'd be costing forty million pounds. So I'm not his biggest fan, but my God, the work rate he put in last night. He was he was all over the place, shutting people down. It was just it was—it's was just a terrific performance. But the thing that I found most pleasing, I think as Mick was getting at earlier, see, see a Scottish side saying, no, come on, we don't need to park the bus here. We don't need to sit in, defend our penalty box. We can come, we can be expansive and we can try and play through you. And for mm-hmm. long spells last night, Celtic did it. They didn't deserve any more than a draw. I think would, you would no. you would have to say at the end of the game because Atletico started to control it in the second half. So Celtic gave it their best, and their best ultimately wasn't good enough to win the game. But by God, it was great to watch. It was just a, it was just a terrific game of football. Anybody that's that's been brought up loving football, that's the sort of games you want to watch. It was it was impossible not to just be sucked in by the whole thing last night. It was a, a great occasion and a terrific football match. I
2: actually think that. This is going to sound a bit weird, but I think Celtic should take more confidence from the second half performance than the first. I mean, no, this is a football team that can play good football. We've done it in this campaign before, right? But see that second half. Celtic, when the pressure's been turned against them, have tended to buckle in Europe. Last night, they actually... I mean, let's go through the kitchen sink at Celtic that second half, and they held firm. I mean, there a couple of chances. They the goal, but I think Joe Hart made one big save. It wasn't like it was hitting the post and making 10, 10 12 saves. I think they could, the fact that they held firm... I mean Rogers I thought was actually really cute. The way he changed his formation, he went to a three five two or a back five. He knew the problems when Greg Taylor was getting a lot of hassle in that in that left
1: flank, wasn't he? Well I think by that point Luis Palmer's race had been run. And I think that, that Rogers identified that, he said he's getting Greg Taylor's getting overrun down totally, that side. Totally, totally. We need to do need to do something to steady the shit. And there was a bit of a groan around the stadium, and then it's sort of a you know, that kind of muttered confusion. What's he doing there? Well, why are we going here? Because it was just—it's it's not from his playbook that we've seen so far. Yeah. Um, but I think it was probably the right thing to do. It might have taken a little bit of the attacking impetus away. Hundred percent. Listen, as he said, as he said himself after Lazio, if you're not going to win this, just make sure you don't lose it. And I think that was high
2: in his mind at that point. Listen, I don't, like, I don't like this learning curve and experience nonsense that always gets tipped off their defeats and all that stuff. But I think that was a learning experience. This showed this team, the that, that, trust in the manager, that they can see a game and manage a game differently. And I think that's something they might take a lot from as well. That In the Champions League, there's going to be hurt. There's going to be periods of the games where you need to suffer and you need to dig in. Unfortunately for Celtic, in those periods, they've conceded. Yeah. Usually right before halftime, right after halftime, late in games. The periods of the matches when they're going to need to, to really hang on in there, I think by and large they did that last night during that period. Um, so it might the frustration not getting the result against men at the end. But I think the way they manage the game in that second half, even under intense pressure, I think they can take a lot from that.
1: Michael, it's funny you used the word their trust, and I think it's taken a little bit of time. Um, and, and you can understand why that squad was largely assembled by Ange Postecoglou. Ange Postacoglu is showing at Spurs right now what a top-class manager he is. And I think that, because managers use the word trust all the time, that the manager needs to be able to trust these players to to perform um, the way that he's asking them to, to take on the information, to to play the game the, the uh, under instruction. The players need to trust the manager that his instructions are the right instructions and they might be a little bit different from the last guy. And wait a minute, this last guy is really good. You just need to look at what's happening in the Spurs. And then there's the, the factor between the fans and the team and the manager and the element of trust there. And I, the way that I look at Celtic just now, over the last two, three, four weeks, you can feel it, the reconnection. The players have learned. The new guys that haven't worked with Brendan Rodgers before have realised, you know what? This guy really knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And, and the little tweaks that he's making, they, have making is, they are making us more competitive in Europe. Where Ange, you know, I think Celtic were a bit too open, a bit too vulnerable, maybe a bit too naive. And maybe that could have been, you know, um, Brendan Rogers could have been accused of that first-time round as well. A bit of naivety, not pragmatic enough. But I think game by game, these players are realising look, if we do what this guy tells us to do, we're actually improving and we can feel the improvement. They trust what they're being told. Brendan Rodgers trusts these guys to go out and, and play the way he's instructing them to do it. And you can feel that the fans are starting to trust the team again. And it, it builds a very healthy picture all around. I mean, you know, not for this campaign, because I think Michael's right. I, I don't think Celtic are going to get third now. I think no. when you look, Feyenoord's result last night was probably the worst possible outcome no, it was a nightmare. um i think a draw in that game would have been ideal even you know a lazio win might have not been the worst thing in the world um i think third place is going to be a real stretch now um because i can't see celtic going to madrid and taking anything. as good as the performance level was last night i think they're going to be looking at one point from 12 going into the final two games and i don't know if it's if it's going to be achievable from there um But in terms of this level of trust, I think the supporters are now... Did they trust Brendan Rodgers when he came back? I'm not sure they did. Do they trust him now? Sitting, you know, seven points clear at the top of the league, uh, performing like that against some of the top clubs in Europe? I think they trust him wholeheartedly again. Mm -hmm. And you can feel it. And you can feel there's a better atmosphere around the place. And Brendan has spoken about that as well, the importance of unity, the importance of everybody moving forward together. I don't think he felt that was the case for the first few weeks. I think he felt there were people that were waiting, you know, with uh, with knives ready to be, be drawn, and um, in, in the hope that he fell over, that something went wrong. And I'm talking about within, you know, the Celtic support, they didn't want him back. I I I think you'll find that uh, that that no longer that that no longer applies. This feels like a, a healthy um, sort of environment around Celtic now. and you know, it doesn't bode well for this campaign, but it certainly bodes well for for the domestic campaign and for you know future European campaigns to come.
2: Keith, are you are you sensing a, a slight change in, in Brendan Rodgers in recent weeks? I I, I can sense yeah. something. Like I thought when he first came back, I thought I'm, I'm not saying he looked like a guy who who maybe wasn't sure if he made the right decision, or I just thought it was a bit when the main circumstances dictated it. But it was a bit understated. It was a bit low key. I just felt it was, I don't know, maybe at least you can't jump into the guy's head, he never said these words to anyone, I just thought, did he look as though he's maybe made the right choice, but something has flicked, I don't know if it was Ibrox going to win in there, but he looks like a guy who's, who's all in at the moment, I think he looks like a guy who's who's enjoying being king of his castle again, who's got the, the juices flowing, He's. I mean I saw him, you see him, pushing shields over at Livingston and all that, the fist bumps and all that stuff. i think like, that's a guy who's now, is starting to to get the, the juices flowing again.
0: Um, Michael. You're, didn't you're see
2: nice. I, I knew that he's unveiling. I didn't see it in the summer. I thought it looked a wee bit kind of... I was there. Understated. understated I was there. The,
1: I, I, fe- I felt he felt underwhelmed by the, the occasion.
0: Maybe I, I, maybe. I
1: think that, you know, Brendan loves to be loved. And... Oh, well, exactly. When he first arrived at Celtic Park, there was, you know, how many thousands outside the ground, inside the stadium. It was, you know, the Messiah was arriving. Well, when he came for, you know, the the, the second coming, it was three men, the dog outside the stadium. I was, running,
2: I was, I was I brought the dog. I think
1: that. I think that. I, I don't. I wouldn't say it took the wind out of his sails, but I think it, it was a realization that he's got a lot of bridges to build. To be honest, Michael, there have been, there were points throughout the first wee while where you're thinking, I'm not sure he's fully in the room here. Yeah, I um, Yeah. But, yes, and, and I think there come a point, I, I wrote a column, I don't know, a couple of months ago where he needs to stop feeling as if he needs to apologise all the time. He needs to realise that, you know, things happen. Celtic are lucky to have Brendan Rodgers. And, you know, he doesn't need to spend... The rest of his life apologizing for the fact that he left to take on a career opportunity. He just needs to concentrate on what he's good at, and and he's done that. And you can see him; he's grown in stature. He's, you know, the chest is getting a little bit more. Swollen. He is returning to the guy that you remembered the first time, like, perhaps with a little bit less bluster. Um, perhaps you know, no, I wouldn't say sheepy. I think that was what I wrote. Michael, I said he needs to be a lot less sheepish and a bit more bullish, and yeah. I think that's what you're starting to see now. I think, and I think that as well. That comes with, do you know what? The things that I'm trying to implement here are working, and everybody can see it. And I think that's making him feel just a little bit better about himself. And make no mistake, when he when he walk off the park at Tynecastle at the weekend, and the Celtic fans there are singing his name, that was a big moment for Brendan Rodgers. And before the uh, the day before the the Atletico game, we're well, down at Celtic Park doing the press conference, and he did bring it up. You know, he, he wasn't he wasn't it wasn't put to him, but he said, "Yeah, it is quite ironic that that was the stadium where you know they had the banner the last time." Yeah. So that shows that it's not far from the surface mm-hmm. that these are things that has been thinking about. It wasn't that somebody said to him, "Well, you know, the irony is here, been." But- that's in his head. Nobody else's. In fact, I couldn't even have told you it was Tain Castle. But Brendan Rodgers, good. Mm-hmm. So I think there are little hurdles, step by step, the breaking down of these barriers, the reconnection, the building of bonds, and I think you've you've now got Celtic approaching, you know, full speed ahead, and Brendan Rodgers returning to to that similar sort of a approach in the dugout, and you know, as I said, it, it bodes well for them because. They are going to pick up some serious momentum. You just feel now.
2: Yeah.
0: Two. sorry, Mike, can you go?
2: No, I just think what this, these three games I think have showed the, the Celtic board as well is give the guy the tools. Nice. Is, yeah. look, look, look what he's doing. Look what he's doing with what he's got just now. Give him, give him the tools. To, and see, uh, uh, one of the things that uh, uh, kind of I thought was a bit. Uh, they jumped out that then the statement, the financial statement they put out when they said they've got all this money and you know, all, they've made the record profits and all that stuff, and it said they need to be a, need to have a rainy day fund for when they don't get in the Champions League and all that stuff because then it saves you, you haven't sell players. And that's fair enough. That's a prudent financial model. It's also quite negative. I would think give this guy the tools and you won't you worry about not qualifying for the Champions League because I'll do it every year. Yeah. All the tools to compete in the Champions League. Don't tell me it's a I, I, team. I mean, they the signed nine players in the, in the summer. I don't think. I mean, Palmer, I think is starting to come out a really good game. I think having having been very kind of skeptical about him at the start, I think he now looks like a a, bit of a player. I right? think he could uh, he could kick on. But the rest, I'm not that sure about signings. So a bit of wasted summer for him. But, I mean, give the guy give the guy the tools and see what he does. I Matt, think...
1: you're you're saying you're not too sure about it. You just need to look at the team. Yeah. You know, the, the, Brendan Rodgers knows. Yeah. Look, I don't know. I would surmise. I would guess that Brendan Rodgers would feel, right, okay, so let's say Celtic's policy is, we've we've earmarked 18 to 20 million pounds to spend. And what we'll do is we'll bring in nine guys at 2 million pounds. Yeah. And we'll hope that three or four of them go on to be, you know, turn a real coin on them. Brendan Rodgers, I think, would be looking for the Celtic board to approach it with a little bit more of risk. And instead of signing nine at two... Million a piece, sign three at six million and give him three starters. Yeah, and if you can do that, he'll turn those six million pound players. Look, by the way, <coughs> this shouldn't go without um, being noted as well. The difference in Matt O'Reilly, so yeah. he's working under Brendan Rogers, no, no. Maeda, Liam Scales,
0: no.
1: these players are, div- I mean, they are coming on leaps and bounds under this guy. If you if you went out and bought three six million pound players, heavy investment, you're not spreading the risk because you don't have nine guys hoping that you know three, four of them come good. You're actually hoping that three of them come good because it's a big investment. Yeah. But when you look at the way that, that these players are improving under Brendan Rodgers, what's a six million player going to be looking like in two years' time? 20 million? You know, and I think that's I think that's what Brendan Rodgers. If he was able to communicate how he feels to the board, I think that's what he would say. Next summer, let's let's do away with the, with the nine at two million and let's let's, let's go for quality. Let, let me pick three guys that will come straight into this side and make it better.
2: That's what needs to happen. The squad's too big. He's got about 33 players. The squad is loaded uh, with guys that are never going to get a game. So that in January, the first task is empty out. The guys are not part of the scene and make way for these guys. Um, no one's saying go and spend 60 million quid in a transfer window. I mean, like you say they spent 20 million pounds this year. Uh, by the way, net, net spend was was was, was, um, was less with Jota money and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So they're not saying go and spend 30, 40 million pounds, but like you say, get, get three guys in at seven, eight million quid that can strengthen the team and see where they go. Um I think it was telling last night they struggled because the bench wasn't strong enough. Yeah. Um there needed to be a, a, a striker bought in in, in, in the summer. Uh, I don't think O is going to cut it, and I don't think Bendy thinks either because he, he obviously didn't see him last night. So a striker was was necessary. Um, we, we touched on I think a, a quality replacement for Jota that might be Palmer, but we, we have to wait and see. I, I think he's, the signs are good for him, um, but early days. And a centre half was vital a proper centre half, not not a kind of development centre half, a good strong centre half. Although skills just come in and be a revelation, the challenge for left back with, with Greg Taylor to keep him going, because obviously Burnaby is not going to cut it. There's three or four signings. That's all needed. Didn't need I, th- I, need.
1: think, I think if you went back to the summer, I think Brendan Rodgers would have wanted a left back, a centre half, a goalkeeper, a centre mid, and a, and a starting winger and a striker, yep. which is quite a lot. <laughs> but right. I, don't, I don't think you would expect to get all of that. I think you would expect to get some of it. And I'm not sure that he has. Well, he hasn't. He's no. got Palma is, is playing his way in, right? But at this minute in time, is he an upgrade on Jota? No, he's not. He's not oh, anywhere yeah. near an upgrade on Jota. He's a downgrade on Jota. With the potential to to become a good player, But he's not going to be a Jota. So, in that regard, Celtic are are, are weakened in terms of the first eleven. And yet, what he's building here. You know, over the last wee while, you would have looked at it and said, right, there's one one place up for grabs in this team. And you're right, Mick, Palmer has managed to to get in front of the opposition there. And he's now looking like a first pick player. I don't think James Forrest is out of this argument yet either. And I'm not entirely sure if it was down to me if I would be going with Forrest or Palma just now. You go with Palma because you brought him in and there, there are signs that, that he's that he's going to, you know, make a real impact. But I think
2: it's a, it's a 50-50 call for me between him and James Forrest. Well, I think you've got it. I think you, Palmer Palmer's the his right in the team. I mean, he's scored a couple of some cracking goals recent weeks. He's playing really well. He's games to get up to, the, to speed. I think you stick with him and, and, and let's see what happens. I you think he's, he's getting the, the Randy Rogers treatment just now? Yeah. Uh, James, you get what you get. You know what you're going to get from, from James Forrest. He's, he's, he's a tremendous servant to Celtic and he'll still have a role to play. But Palmer, that's his, that's his, that's his this just Um No, I I don't disagree, Mick,
1: but I'm just saying, if you were to look at the two of them, and I was wondering last night if he might go to James Forrest to start because he knows that he can trust them. He knows yeah. exactly what he's going to get for James Forrest. Yeah. And Palmer, <laughs> but, but Palmer is proven you're right, he's put some big moments and big games and that makes him the sort of player that I think is worth investing some time in. Um, but James Forrest, for me, you know, I, I, I don't think his race is run just yet. No. And also, then you look at Palmer and you know, in that second half, he should he should have better energy levels to get back and help out more. Yeah, this is if a guy to do that.
2: This is his first taste of the Champions League and intensity that that environment. I mean, I, I'm not surprised that he ran at this team. I mean, it's a tough job as well. Um, He's not used to playing at that level, so that that experience will benefit him as well. Of course it will yeah. Um, so, but but you look behind that, you look at kind of um uh, Yang Tellio, not not appeared yet. Um, these are signs from the summer that, that no really trouble in the first team at any point in time. I don't think I don't know if they will. I mean, Tellio, we don't know, but he's not not been seen yet. He's fit and training, but he's not near the level yet. He's one one for the future, as we keep as we hear these guys might be a cracker for the future, but it's not yet. Um, so there's work to be done in that squad, I think. But you just see, it was mentioned, the manager's certainly working his magic just now. Um, if, you're, if you're a Scottish team watching that first half last night, you'd be thinking, oh, in the name of God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, no,
2: this is, this is what's coming. on. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> see, see just on, on the players that, I don't think we've mentioned them yet, but I thought Bernardo looked a player last night. I thought he looked really good. It was difficult I, to come on.
1: I, I thought he was thrown into a really difficult situation and he did he did well. No. Um I, I you know, I d I don't feel that Celtic's performance level dropped noticeably. I don't think he's he's a Hatati. No. Um and I think, you know, had Hatati not picked up that injury then who knows what we might have watched last night. Um but I think he did fine. Without without being, you know, without running it, as you wouldn't really expect him, but he came on and he did everything that was required of him
0: and see, see Mike, in, just, in, in, in
1: midfield in midfield yeah. he's going. and O'Reilly were, were just streaks ahead of everybody really apart from when Griezmann dropped in there you know what a player that is you could watch him all day as well
0: and see Mick just going back to you mentioned about the tools for Brendan Rodgers I mean Chris Sutton I saw him saying on Twitter that Celtic really missed Giacomakis. Um I get that strikers like that don't grow in trees but I think I think it you know we touched on it doesn't look like O is going to be the, the backup striker to Kyogo anytime no. soon. I think
2: Jackie Marcus was, was decent, scored a few goals, threw his toes at the prime and left. It left it's over nearly like, well, a year ago. Like the time to move on for Jackie Marcus, right? He's away he's away playing in semi-retirement, scoring a ballot in the MLS. Good luck to him. Um should have been Joel. replaced though. Should have been replaced, should have been replaced. Always oh, was a guy who's to replace him, a young a younger kind of um version. Um Potential, more potential, more selling value and all that stuff. But I don't think I don't get the impression that, that Brendan really finds so much. To be honest, he's not no. got a lot of time. Occasionally, wee bits from the bench at the end. I think he prefers to play Maida through the middle as a second choice. Problem is, Maida. something I for the first time in two and a half years looked tired last night. Then <laughs> I thought I've never seen anything like it. I mean, this is a guy who he spoke to us after Livingston, and I said you must be tired of playing with ten men, playing three different jobs. I don't get tired. Uh, Last night, (laughs) he got tired. (laughs) (laughs) But at some point, he is actually human after all. He was blown at his backside at the end. I think he was entitled to feel a little bit fatigued.
0: Listen, you'd be tired watching him. Uh Uh, Well, I mean, looking ahead to the weekend, obviously Celtic have now got Hibs at Easter Road. Um, Obviously, Hibs weren't great at Ibrox last week, but it's still not going to be an easy game for Celtic.
1: I I disagree. Really? Yeah. I think you find it will be an easy game for Celtic. I've
0: been watching Hibs?
1: <laughs> I mean, the, the the Hibs performance at Iversley weekend was, I mean, it was absolutely diabolical. That was um,
0: tricky, nice.
1: But, you know, and I know it's always more difficult when you're going away from home, uh, especially Tyne Castle, Easter Road. These are notoriously tricky grounds. But I think, as Michael said, when you see Celtic hitting that level of performance last night, they, they won't. They're not going to go back down. The Celtic won't you know, yo-yo in form. This is now a point of the season where they where they begin to motor. And you know, as much as it damages a bit of confidence, the fact that you're you know not winning games in the Champions League, the the opposite can be true as well. Celtic, have got a lot to come off these pitches after these games that they've had and say, Do you know what, we we've done really well there. You know, it's not like Rangers in last season's Champions League where where your confidence has just gone through a shredder. And by the time you get to the weekend, you don't know, you start to doubt, can I play? Am am I any good? Because I've just been absolutely ripped apart. Mm -hmm. And the damage that gets done to confidence when you're on the end of savage beatings, it does impact. But I think the flip side for Celtic is, do you know what, guys? That was brilliant. Loved it. We've played really, really well. Just not done enough to win the game. Right on, you go. It's Easter Road at the weekend. Let's get back to those levels. You can almost hear Cal McGregor saying it. And I expect a, 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 another step forward from Celtic. I expect them to go Easter Road. I expect them to dominate it, and I expect them to win quite comfortably. To be perfectly honest with you, Daniel.
0: Um And just to go back to finishing the Champions League, we mentioned it a bit earlier. But the games remaining: uh, final at home, Atletico and Lazio away. Mick, even if Celtic were to beat Feyenoord at home and beat Lazio away, they're only in seven points. And even then, it's probably unlikely they'll get third. Just uh, No, I
2: think, you think you've think got to hope that... You've got to think that Feyenoord can beat Lazio again. Aye, sorry. Aye,
0: aye. Right. So so Feyenoord,
1: Feyenoord, Feyenoord come to Glasgow for the last game of the group.
2: That's yeah. right, it's the last one. Aye. So Celtic's yeah. so
1: next know. two are away. Achilles. I yeah.
2: think yeah. Madrid and Lazio. I mean, Madrid away, that's tough. I think you've okay, probably won in Rome and got to beat the final, that, that would give them seven points. And you've got to think that Litico will beat uh Lazio will lose as well. Um yeah, yeah. yeah, so there's a lot I think I think, I think I think it's going to be too big an ask, to be honest with you. Um I think are... if, I think yeah, there needs
1: to be a bit of realism here. I don't think anybody can put their hand in heart, even though Celtic performed so admirably last night. I don't think you can think that they're going to go to Madrid and and get a win. No, uh, I, I think a point would be an incredible result, and I don't expect them to get that either. So you'd be sitting there with one point after twelve, going into the final two games. Lazio away, you know. I I, I think it's a bit, you know, glib for us to be sitting here saying, "Ah, yeah, we'll just uh, if Celtic could just go to Lazio and get a an away win there." <laughs> Come on, guys, let's. Yeah. Let's yep. get let's get real. A point there would be a good result as well. Been um, So I, I actually think it might come down to can Celtic pit Lazio for third. I think that's the way this group is starting to shape. Um, and again, that 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 will depend. If Lazio beat Celtic in in Rome, then that's that ship sailed as well. I
0: think. At the very least, right? And I get fine order a quality outfit. We saw that last night. But Celtic have to end this ten year wait for a win at home? I mean, whatever way you look at it, that, that's that's mad. That's a mad stat that Celtic haven't haven't got a, a win at home in the Champions League since twenty thirteen.
1: It is. Um, but as Brendan Rodgers said ahead of the, the game last night, so it's not just you know, it's not just looking back. The twenty twenty vision he says, look, he feels that they are getting closer. They yeah. are progressing. Um, you know, I, I listen, he was he was responsible for some, for some of this run. But I don't think you can hold them responsible second time round. I don't know if Celtic are going to get a win in this group. Um, Maybe if Feyenoord are already home and hosed and happily through, maybe, maybe in the the last game of the group, Celtic. Because there wasn't that much between the two sides in the first game, and Celtic were nowhere near as strong and impressive a unit as they are now than they were in the first game of the group. So maybe there is an opportunity there, but... uh, i think it's a step-by-step process uh i think that brendan Rodgers would certainly like to end this group with some points on the board as opposed to just one um i'm not sure that you're going to get the end of this run just yet i think it might it might be it might be a year in the making for celtic this champions league you know getting champions league ready
2: it's a bit i mean this is this 10-year thing and the, the it's been a bit of a stick to batter Celtic with, uh, and to an extent, Rangers as well. Last year, as well, and um, it's at 12 games. I mean, out of those 12 games, who were Celtic realistically expected to beat, and who they did not beat? They should have beaten Anderlec, maybe, but they won 3 1 out there and had to just protect that result to get third place. Bruce, I mentioned a big German team that kind of expect to beat them. I mean, these are teams like PSG, Man City, Barcelona, Shakhtar. Shakhtar, maybe. Yeah. Should have beat Shakhtar. So there's, there's two out of 12. Yeah. Um, and we should have beat so last time round. Not should have beat them, but they could have beat them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a bit of a stick. And also, I kind of get defensive. My mates down in England, they're always winding up about, about Scottish football in Europe and all that stuff. And you think, listen, if you send a team who are in the playoffs in the championship into the Champions League, how would they get on? they get ripped to pieces, right? they get absolutely torn to bits. That's what Celtic's budget is. It's as comparable with a team in the playoffs in the championship and you're asking them to go and compete with Atletico Madrid, with PSG, with Real Madrid, all these teams, right, and not get leathered. The fact that they're not getting leathered, I think, is actually quite commendable, because it's it's really is a, a tough playground. Um, that doesn't mean that you, you, we don't demand and expect more of our teams in, in Europe, because they do get a shot most years, and they should find a way to try and compete. And I think Celtic, to an extent, are finding a way to compete. They just need to find that next step to get results. I think that, that you know it would be an absolute,
1: you know, tremendous achievement from this point. You know, one point gained at the halfway stage. A Celtic could find a way to qualify for the Europa League because let's be honest about it. That's the level that that you know Rangers, Celtic, they're, they're more comfortable at that they should be more com- they, 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 and, and rightly so. They should be more comfortable at that level. Yeah. I think they have been asked to compete at, at, at a level which is just beyond them at the Champions League. So if Celtic could find a way to get out of this group in third place and drop into the Europa League, by the way, you never know who you're going to get there. You, you could come up against, a, you know, a, by all intents and purposes, a Champions League side there. But you just feel that you know that would be an achievement. And maybe the, the learnings that they talk about these days could continue if Celtic were to to, to go into the Europa League and, and have a few games there and, you know, again, build on what the, the, the kind of foundations that have already been laid down so far in these three games in the Champions League. But as we're saying, I, I do think it's going to be a big ask to get there.
0: Guys, I could talk to you all day about this. It's my favourite time of the week, but I think that's brought us to the end of this week's Record Celtic podcast. I hope um, not
2: to Aberdeen. So, <laughs> i have got to jump the tractor up to Aberdeen. <laughs> save travels Get up. Get the mega bus Mick. Oh, i tell you what. Need an Need a hovercraft to up
0: there. I <laughs> <laughs> save travels up. Um, Keith Mick, it's always a pleasure. Thanks very much for, for joining me. Um, and everyone listening at home, thanks very much.